You're listening to the That's My Financial Guy podcast, where we talk about life, love, the funny, and of course, money. What could go wrong? Welcome to the That's My Financial Guy podcast. I'm your host, Brian Haney with The Haney Company, and I am thrilled to have one of my dear friends, Christopher Boston of Monarch yes. Mortgage, here with me. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to talk about some fun stuff today. So thanks for, uh, thanks for coming out today. Great, great. Hello. Hey, good, good, good to be here. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be on the show. Hey, no, I, I appreciate it. So let's, uh, to let the audience get to know you, we'll have some fun questions, and then we'll get into the serious stuff. Sure. So first and foremost, if you could be a superhero... And have one superpower, what superpower would you want to have? I think it would be the ability to clone myself. <laughs> oh, very nice. That's. I don't know if there's any superheroes that can do that. Um, I think there was one. I don't remember his name, but definitely <laughs> in this season, uh, just having mini me's. Oh yeah. No, I. Oh, that's that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, flying is is awesome, but having ten of me to do the stuff. Oh that, gosh. Yeah. Man, that would be amazing. That's a, a very very good superpower to have <laughs> yeah assuming they're all you know behave the right way and don't right you and definitely that, kind of that and can yeah. do the same thing i can do what food will you not eat under any circumstance two foods actually okay okra and hummus interesting doesn't okra I'm, I'm down with but hummus i love so I, it's I just know you not love hummus i i just it does not register okay it does not register my lips won't even open it, it'll they'll very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. All right. I think I'm allergic to it. Like, like, <laughs> well, I, think I, I think I've made my mind allergic to it. <laughs> okay. All right. That's it's sad, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I know the there's a lot world. of audience members and people who are listening right now that love hummus, and I'm so sorry, but I just can't eat hummus. Can't, I can't do, it. do it. Can't do it. All right. That's that's fair enough. Would you rather go to space or to the bottom of the ocean? Space. Yeah. I think there's just something about just um the mysteries of space final frontier final frontier <laughs> apollo all that man just yeah really having maybe one time one day in life who knows seems like it's coming sooner than we think yeah it's you know, cost or, a lot of money <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and lastly besides this one what other podcasts do you listen to regularly that you would want to recommend to the audience andy stanley okay um leadership yeah. a lot of a lot of leadership you know, he's been grabbing, listening to him on and off, but that's um, awesome. Definitely has a lot of good nuggets. Great, yeah. yeah. I think I think we're gonna we're gonna compile the the best recommendations. That's a good one. Yeah. So yeah. appreciate that. Tell everybody what you do sure. professionally and uh, give them a little bit of a framework of your area of expertise because I know you've been doing this for a long time. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, for those who are listening, um, I am a loan officer. Mortgage banker, mortgage broker, so it depends on what you <laughs> are used to hearing or what accustomed to hearing. Um, but I basically help people buy homes or purchase homes. Yeah. Um, and not just first-time home buyers. I help investors acquire real estate. Uh, I help, uh, to some degree, if people are looking to refinance their existing loan to get maybe a lower interest rate, um, to pull cash out, to do home improvements. I help those type of individuals as well. So anything that has to do with home loans, um, whether it's buying investment properties, first-time home buyers, or you're you're buying a repeat buyer, yeah, you know those are the type of clients I help. Yeah, and you've been doing it for how long? Oh gosh, twenty, almost twenty Jeez. plus years. Yeah, long time. You started when you were eleven. I get right. it. That's, yeah. that's good. Um, <laughs> I yeah. wish I started when I was eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so in in that market and, and being yeah. in that kind of a role for so long, you know, I'm sure you come across a lot of 
a variety of clients mm-hmm. with varying degrees of comfort in that process as well as varying degrees of understanding as to how to go about it. So at a really high level, what kind of a general framework do you try to use when you start to engage with somebody to help them understand what the process should look like? Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, information is powerful. Yeah. And and so when I meet with any client, rather they're a first-time home buyer, a real estate investor, um, repeat buyer, uh, I always ask for what is their long-term goal? Like what are you trying to accomplish um, out of this transaction? Are you looking to get something – uh, where it's an investment and you're looking to get residual income. Mm-hmm. And then that helps kind of structure what we need to do moving forward. So I always try to have initial consultation to get us to listen, more mm-hmm. important, listen to hear what they're trying to do. Um, and then we kind of talk about the application process, which entails uh, getting information from them, their employment, looking at the credit, analyzing the credit, and then kind of getting a sense of, you know, what are their comfort levels as far as how much they can comfortably afford in paying a mortgage if they're yeah. looking to buy their home or, or repeat buyer. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a lot. That's a, that's a, it's a fairly extensive process. Yes. Um, and I think, it, you know, as, as uh, people approach really that, you know, real estate as it applies to their life, um, you know, I, I have worked with you and known you for so long. Mm-hmm. You do a great job of giving people advice about it because a lot of times, uh, I think, I, I'm sure you've seen this in your industry. Um, there are a lot of people that approach it in a more transactional nature, but you mm-hmm. don't do that. Mm-mm. It's really important right. that, you know, as you said, you understand their bigger picture so that way you can direct them to the right lending instrument that's going to fit. So let's let's talk about um, you know, maybe a framework for for home ownership. One of the common questions that I get asked a lot is, you know, should I rent or should mm-hmm. I own? Right? I'm, right, and I'm sure probably every everybody that's an adult at one point has maybe thought that or even said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's a good question. So let's talk about just that kind of a framework for mm-hmm. a second. And you know, really, what is it about how you make that kind of a determination? Uh, for yourself, what are what are some of the key elements of that, and what do you see when you talk to people? Right, and I think it's a it's a it's a balance of pros and cons. Yeah, um, looking at the benefits of owning, the benefits of renting. <clears throat> you know, one of the benefits of renting is that you, to some extent, you're not required, um, you're not liable. So yeah. if you don't pay your rent, you can get evicted. To some extent, I mean, there's there 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 are less consequential things that can happen if you don't pay your rent versus not paying your mortgage. Yeah. And so for someone, especially in D.C., is a very transient city. There are people that are coming here for work or school, and then maybe in a month or two months or a year, excuse me, a year or two years, they may leave and go to somewhere else. So maybe owning may not be the best approach or strategy for that individual because they're not going to be here long term. Yep. Now, I would counter that to say, okay, well, why not buy a property, then rent it out? if you transition to another city. So, but if someone's owning, of course you have the tax benefits, Mm -hmm. which are good enough. Um, You know, having a stake in real estate that can be transferable, you're talking about generational wealth, having the ability to transfer that wealth to, to your children, or to whoever else, again, that opportunity of buying something. I know when I first got in the business, you know, I bought a condo. It was a two-bedroom condo, two-bathroom condo, and I think I paid like $153,000 for it. Well, that was one of the best investment properties that I ended up, trans, you know, transferring it to. 
over the years. So even when you buy, it doesn't necessarily have to remain your principal resident over the course of time. So you can develop and build a real estate portfolio uh, that you just can't do renting. You yeah, know, I'm sure any landlord will tell you the benefits of of owning investment properties is that residual income, that cash on cash return for your investment yeah. that you just can't get from renting. You know, if you look at the amount of rent you pay over the years, mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> that's substantial. And so yep. having the ability to own, putting that additional money towards principal to pay off that loan over the course of 30 years or sooner, there's always going to be a benefit that far outweighs renting. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and you know, you mean, but you mentioned a lot of these moving parts, and I think, you know, it does go back to that type of a framework of, you know, let's at a very high level, right? This type of a, a decision should be really a lifestyle based one, yes. And and, and so it, it's not the end in and of itself; it's a piece of a larger puzzle right. a lot of times. And I, I, you know, I've found, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, where I think it's it's tough. A lot of people kind of zoom in on. This to, and, and consider it very transactional without giving due consideration to, well, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to be staying here, um, you know, first of all, what's the budget and cash flow impact? Uh, you know, what is the reality of having this as an asset? What's that mm-hmm. going to look like? Do, you know, as I'm considering down payment options, you know, what if something happens, something breaks? You know, there's so many components to owning, like you mentioned, yeah. that, you know, again, in the pros col- column for renting, that's somebody else's headache for a lot right. of those things, you know. So it it is like there's 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 so many factors of consideration that mm-hmm. I think uh, you know are, are really important. And you, you you touched on the value of real estate, and I appreciate how you framed that. It is an asset, mm-hmm. right? For for probably the average person, a home is where they live, so that right. it's a different kind of dynamic. But then the opportunity, like you said, to to transfer that. Or to have it be more than just that real estate property. And what are some of the things um, that you've seen, uh, you know, certainly in this market and maybe, you know, even even across the country uh, as good windfalls that people have, you know, kind of maybe stumbled into because they made, like you said, that condo that you owned that was, you know, you probably didn't think it was going to turn out that way, but now it has. So what are some examples that you've seen of clients that have that kind of surprise windfall or are able to do more with it than they might have thought of originally? Right. And you're in Brian, you're a financial advisor. And I, I would just, this is huge retirement. Yeah. You know, when oh, you yeah. look at the, 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 the facts and the data out there, <clears throat> you know, the, the most people, when they acquire real estate over the course of the year time, you know, that's their nest egg for retirement. And so, you know, what greater, Absolutely. you know, you have the residual income from the rental properties and all that, but what greater retirement vehicle could real estate become for an individual? Sure. Um, rather, it's owning it, paying it off, and then possibly doing something later to pull money out for retirement at like a reverse mortgage or something like that. Yeah. Or buying multiple rental properties where you have a cash flow that can offset or supplement the income that you may need to if you're still working. So I think retirement is a major um, advantage, again, to, to not, and I think the statistics speak for themselves as far as the amount of people that, you know, are able to retire based on the real estate portfolios that they own. And you just mentioned, I think, a, a fantastic point that's good to build on a little bit. Retirement and, and really, you know, the statistics do show real estate is commonly one of our larger assets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet I, I think... It's probably underutilized 
when it comes to retirement planning, and certainly, like you mentioned, reverse mortgages, certainly an area of lending that I think is maybe somewhat misunderstood yeah. in terms of what they are for and and the beneficial applications that they have, because you're mm-hmm. right, how else are you going to access one of your most significant assets in retirement, right? Right, right. Um, have you s- seen a lot of success with people coming into and understanding how to leverage a reverse mortgage for their own retirement needs? And what are some of the cases that you've come across for why people did that? Yeah, and I, a perfect example is one of my family members had used, uh, took advantage of a reverse mortgage. Um, he had tons of equity in his property, mm-hmm. uh, had paid off the mortgage. And because there was equity in the home, he was able to utilize that equity to contribute towards, you know, health care and expenses that he could yeah. not come up with out of his own pocket because he wasn't working. Yeah. So it, it really, it, it's one of those things where it doesn't fit every situation. That's right. But for my uncle specifically, it was a great opportunity. It was a great product that, that fit his need. And so, um, you know, reverse mortgage is a great vehicle for someone. And I know you have to have equity in the property, mm-hmm. but you can utilize that equity to, to maintain, you know, certain bills and things that you just can't get money towards. Yep. So, no. yeah. I mean, my own grandmother now, who's about to turn, I can't believe it, 98. Wow. But she's been in her own home and, yeah. and is receiving care in her home and Great. has been for a period Great. of time. Great. But without, you know, the ability to take out a reverse mortgage, she probably wouldn't still be able to be there. And so, you know, it is uh, a powerful resource, mm-hmm. but it goes back to that that point that you made about looking at it and, and piecing it into that bigger picture conversation. Right. If I'm in retirement, a lot of times the only things that people tend to think of are the the accounts that they've saved for mm. retirement and and you know, right. whether it's an IRA or 401k, mm. whatever that is, and we kind of think of it that way, and obviously those those make sense. Yeah. But real estate is is definitely an area that has a significant amount of value and opportunity and, and probably a conversation that I'm sure you have more frequently these days because people are living longer and realizing that they may need more than what they've set aside. And so it's right. a big and I'll vehicle. I'll just add, not to cut you off, um, but one of the things that I'm seeing a lot more lately is people cashing out to, yeah. to you know, I mean, student loan debt, um, paying off bills, <clears throat> consolidating accounts, you know, Real estate, or or you know, owning a home, and if you have equity, up to a certain percentage, typically it's between eighty percent. You can actually cash out, yeah, pull those funds to use to to consolidate debt, student loans, or home improvements. You know, home improvements right. is also important too. So you have that ability as well in owning a home, yeah, with equity. Let's let's circle back because I want to. If if somebody is you know in the role of a first time home buyer. Um, I think you've probably seen a lot of mm-hmm. times where somebody in that position is n- not aware of a lot of the things that are available for first-time home buyers. So, right. g- can you cover just uh, you know some of the the things that maybe you try to equip people to be aware of that are specific to first-time home buyers that you know maybe people are just don't know about? Yeah, when I was um, when I worked at Chase, there were four C's that we utilized when we met with people. It okay. was capital, cash creditworthiness and collateral. Okay. And so capital, of course, meant your ability to utilize resources, mm-hmm. and what funds you could come up with to buy the home. Yeah. Creditworthiness is important. I think a lot of times people, when they are getting ready to buy a home, you know, they don't know what their credit is. 
Yeah. And so sitting down with that individual for the first time and talking about, okay, have you had your credit pulled in the last 24 months? And if they have, some people, they, you know, there, there are a lot of these um, credit agencies out here like freecreditreport.com, Credit Karma, even through your credit card companies. Yeah. You can get a sense of what your credit score may be. But there's a different equation and algorithm that the banks still use that may not be the same as that credit score. Sure. So you do want to make sure that even when you're seeing your credit score through these other soft supplemental agencies that you still have a bank look at it to tell you, okay, this is the score we're going to use to qualify you for that loan. That's a great point. And oftentimes the scores, not always, the, not always oftentimes, but sometimes the scores may not be where they need to be for you to qualify. That's where the lender would need to come in and say, okay, here's the step-by-step process that we need to put in place to get you where you may possibly qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the lender, some lenders will, will qualify a borrower based on a 580 credit score. Some may go... Uh, with a 640 credit score. Some go 620 credit score. So each lender has their own set of overlays internally mm-hmm. where they may say, we'll do loans based on this credit score, um, this debt. And I'm kind of using a lot of the terminology. Yeah. Uh, but debt to income is another equation that we use. Um, Very important one. And, right. That, and I'm sure a lot of people use that. But debt to income is basically the amount of debt you have in regards to the amount of income you're making. And there's a ratio that banks use to determine your affordability for buying a home. And so most people don't realize that, you know, when you sit down, and for me personally, when I sit down on a borrower, the first question I ask is, what kind of payment are you looking for mm-hmm. versus how much can you qualify yeah. for? Reason why, and you're a financial advisor, but <laughs> if you tell me you want your payment to be $1,600, but you may qualify for $700,000, there's clearly a disparity. <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. So I think it's important to not always ask the question of qualify me for the most I can qualify for, mm-hmm. but really like a go in from a budget standpoint and say, okay, what is what is your comfort level? What are you comfortable with paying based on all the other bills? Because you don't want to be home poor. So it, this is a very extensive, and I'm sharing all this, this is a very extensive um, conversation that we have up front with first-time homebuyers because, again, there's a lot of information that's being presented to them, uh, the type of property they're buying, the collateral that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Rather, you're buying a condo, yeah. townhouse. <clears throat> Condos typically have an additional condo fee that has to be factored into your monthly payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, townhomes typically have what's called a homeowners association fee that's going to be factored into your payment. If you're owning, If you're buying a single-family home, you may not necessarily have a condo fee you may have a homeowners association fee, but typically it's a larger purchase size, so mm-hmm. that needs to be factored in. Property taxes, there you homeowners go. insurance, mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is a requirement for typically most loans unless you're putting down 20%. Yep. And that doesn't necessarily benefit the borrower. It's more for the investor or the bank to mitigate any risk that that borrower may present to them if they default on the mortgage payment. So all of these different factors play into your monthly payment. And so when we're sitting down for the first time, I tend to ask, you know, we'll do the credit check, we'll look at the income, but it's it really is a, a matter of totally evaluating the whole profile of the client to, ter- to really make a clear determination of this is what you can qualify for, but more importantly, what are you comfortable with making? When I appreciate the framework that you just described, you know, a high emphasis on debt to income, which to me is about affordability, 
based on a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. You said don't be home poor. And a lot of times I think that that's probably something that, you know, I, I'm sure you see it all the time. You know, you want to you get as much as you possibly can, get a really nice house, but maybe that just means you have to have a different conversation with yourself yeah. to say, well, maybe you're not at that place in life where financially that's going to be the most feasible thing to do. You know, there's a lot of there's probably a lot of external factors that we don't always think about right. that says, you know, oh, I got whether it's the proverbial keeping up with the Joneses mm-hmm. or, you know, just things that you might be thinking are going to be important and necessary based off of where you are. Maybe you have a couple kids, so it's a space consideration. But, you know, it, it, it all has to kind of almost begin and end with, well, what's going to really allow you to still live mm-hmm. and have real estate? Because if it's one of those, you know, if it's a trade off between having a home but not being able to live very well, you probably want to be thinking about it differently. And I and I appreciate how you emphasize that and probably start there. I'm sure that's different than other people, you know, because certainly the banks and the lenders don't mind having a larger loan amount because that right. means they make more money. But it's that's not always necessarily what's best. Um, are there certain first-time homebuyer programs? Sure. I'm sure that there are. What are some of the common ones that it's good for somebody to know about? Mm-hmm. So one of the very it's a very popular program right now that's being offered in Maryland is the Maryland Mortgage Program. Okay, uh, used to be known that maybe still known as CDA. Okay, um, they have a lot of great products. Um, one of the most popular products is the three percent down payment assistance loan. Wow, where it gives the borrower so the borrower in most cases is required to come up with a down payment. Mm-hmm. So most banks will lend. Um, between 97 to 96.5 percent of the sales price. That's rather conventional or <coughs> FHA, um, but the down payment, rather, is three percent or 3.5 percent, is still required from the borrower. Mm-hmm. These programs then work with the borrower to say, "Great, we'll give you three uh, percent uh, of the loan amount towards that down payment, or they'll give you four percent, or they'll give you five. I mean, it depends on the the product." Sure, but the programs have been put in place, and this is just Maryland. There are programs in D.C. also, mm-hmm. like the D.C. Open Doors or D.C. Uh, HPAP or EHAP for employee um, employees who work for D.C. Okay, um, but there are a ton of products that are available, and that's why I said this is kind of the perfect storm right now because you have rates that are still historically low, mm-hmm. um, and then you have these products and programs that are available for you know borrowers out there who may not have the down payment. They can come out and get that additional money. There are requirements, of course, yeah. to getting the money. There is income requirements. There are certain other overlays that you have to still fall under. But there, you know, these programs are right now available. Um, I always tell people, you know, just talk to your lender about them. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the lenders are not sharing or mentioning them, which they should be. Um, but great opportunity for people who just don't have money to at least look at it and see what you could qualify for. Well, and I, and I appreciate what you just said. You know, uh, uh, this is why I know you and I have, have worked mm-hmm. so well together because in your role when working with someone, you're, you're about giving them the advice and making sure, sure that they are aware of all their options. But sometimes you know, people might just go into a bank and the bank's going to present things a certain way. Yeah based off of what they are doing or maybe lack of understanding or maybe they don't have all the same credit facilities, right? And nowadays, a lot of people are trying to do things online without really even talking to a person. So there's certainly a lot of value in making sure that regardless of how you go about trying to get the loan that you need, It's it, you know there's a premium on getting good advice and understanding all of the options and and it's important I think for people to really 
recognize that. And it's, it's important also for people to recognize where you're buying. I mean, I, you know, I, I know people can go online. Now, you can, you can do anything online. Now. Yeah. You can go online. You can get a mortgage. You can call a phone number and talk to someone. But you really need to know who you're working with and how much, how much knowledge do they have of your market. You know, it's such a I'm, good point. I'm such an advocate for local lenders because they understand the market. They understand the market conditions. They understand the realtors and who's helping you find the properties. It there's so many more advantages to working with someone who is there, boots on the ground that can help you learn more about the market because it's not just the loan, but it's how is this loan going to fit in your situation and also. You know, what are the taxes? I mean, there are so many different things that are specific to market, rather it's Prince George's County, Anne Arundel County, Howard County, Montgomery County, where the local lenders who are there, boots on the ground, understand those markets, and they, they're just a greater advantage than someone that may be online or over the phone that may be in California or somewhere else. So it does, there's a greater advantage to working with someone um, that's local. No, and that's such a, again, another great point in terms of, recognizing that, you know, sure, we can do a lot of things online, but that doesn't always lead us to maybe the best situation. And I think, uh, you know, a good kind of general point of advice to people is make sure it feels like you understand all of the options that are available. Even if you eliminate 90% of them, at least that way, you know, you're making that kind of a qualified decision. And, 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 you know, you're, you're really helping people understand that there is a lot to this process. It's not just let's let's get the loan and and you know push button get mortgage might sound good on TV, <laughs> but that may not be the best way to go about it in right. real life. Yeah. And, you know, I want to also talk about because um, you know as you know and, and and the audience may not be aware, I spent you know five years in in the banking part, so I you know I understand mm-hmm. maybe a slice of what you've done for twenty <laughs> years, but. One of the things that's always challenging is a way, you know, the general way loans are being marketed just based off of interest rates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like every advertisement you hear about is say, you know, rates are low, so you should refi, refi, you know, get it as low as humanly possible, all that. And mm-hmm. there's wisdom in understanding how to manage the interest rate, but refinancing every one or two years may not be the best. So have you ever? had to have moment where somebody's maybe coming in and, and kind of in that situation and you kind of had to look at, well, maybe a refi isn't good for you. And let's mm-hmm. talk about that for a second because it's important for people to to be mindful of. Yeah, I, I tell you one one thing that is, is becoming more popular now is people who are refinancing to get mortgage insurance removed from their loan. Yeah. So say, for instance, customer A purchased a home 10 years ago and they mm-hmm. used an FHA loan where FHA loans typically you're required to pay monthly mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. But now there's equity in the home that allows them to actually get that mortgage insurance removed. Yeah. So they would then go back to the lender and say, hey, I'd like to qualify to see if I could do a rate and term, not cash out, but just a rate and term, redo my existing loan, but do it in such a way that I may not necessarily have to pay mortgage insurance. Wow. Now, there are factors involved in that, meaning that you have to have not always 80% equity in the home, but... Your lender can advise you on that, but one of the advantages that people can look at in refinancing that may not always be rate-driven is the opportunity to remove mortgage insurance from their existing loan, Mm -hmm. which could save them. I mean, I got a client right now that I'm working with that is saving them $400 a month alone um, just getting the mortgage insurance removed. So that is is a great um, 
option for those who have mortgage insurance to at least talk to a lender and see, hey, could there be a possibility of me getting the mortgage insurance removed off this loan and refinancing? And looking at interest rates, to your question, um, there are a lot of factors involved in interest rates. It's not always, I tell people all the time when they call me and say, what's the best rate you can offer me? And I'm like, well, you can go online and get a great rate. But oftentimes, <laughs> you know, rate can be so mixed up because you have all these additional fees. There it I is. I tell people look at APR. Don't just look at interest rate, look at the APR. There's their originations, there, there's what's called discount points where you can pay prepaid interest or in the form of a point to buy down the rate. So typically, say, the interest rate with no points would be 3.75%. You have the ability to buy that rate down and pay what's called a discount point to, say, 3.625, where the discount point would be half a percent or five-eighths of a percent. And typically, discount points are a percentage of the actual loan amount. So depending on that person's scenario, what they're trying to accomplish over the course of the loan, um, they could possibly pay discount points to buy down the interest mm-hmm. rate. But again, those are factors as well that you have to weigh when you're comparing lenders. So origination points, you know, junk fees. Junk fees are mm-hmm. also huge, you know, because a lot of times, you know, you may see that great rate, but now you got a $4,000 or $3,000 junk fee for processing, underwriting, uh, a doc prep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, all right, well, how much of that is now factored into your rate? Yeah. You know, you actually getting to the closing table. So this online bank may say, great, we'll qualify you, boom, boom, boom. But you've done all this, you've locked your rate in, but now you can't get a hold of someone, you're stressed out. And on top of that, you don't close on time, which mm-hmm. creates a whole different problem. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes when I tell people when you're when you're just focusing on rate, um, make sure that you you're, you're, you're understanding what sometimes that means, because typically when there's a company that's offering you this low, low, low rate, um, that may not always be the best option. Not to say that low rates are not great, but if there's if, if it's a result of you getting to the closing table or not, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's really going to be. You got to weigh all options with that. Well, and and you're you've illuminated so many of those really important things that mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we tend to overlook the total cost. Total cost. I mean, you said APR. What a great thing to pay attention to, which mm-hmm. people don't tend to pay attention to, because <laughs> that's really the cost, cost. of debt. Yes. The points and all of the things that can get rolled into the loan. But let's say I'm refinancing and essentially adding, for the sake of argument, $25,000, $30,000 of all these fees, expenses, and costs back into my loan balance. Mm -hmm. Regardless of that saving threshold, there's an analysis that you want to do to say, well, when am I actually breaking even? Right. Right. Because that's, that's that's a factor. And you know, certainly people that are so enticed by always getting a lower rate may not be thinking, if I've, if I've refinanced three times in five years, maybe I actually, even, even if my rate is lower because of all the expenses of doing that, maybe I'm in a worse situation than if I had just stayed put. I mean, that's, you yeah. know, you, you've really yeah. mentioned that, and those are, you know, hopefully the helpful things that, that you know, as, especially as somebody tends to want to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm in four, but maybe I could get to three, eight, five. Mm-hmm. Again, if that was the only part of that factor, maybe that's, you know, it's right. an easy answer, but it's not. And, and I think that, yeah. that you, you've definitely pointed to a lot of those elements and, and it circles back to why it's important to talk to somebody that's willing to give you loan advice, not just 
deliver a loan for you. Right. And I think also you mentioned, which is a great point, is total payback. You know, even yes. looking at when you every time you refinance, unless you're cutting your amortization down, most people, they'll do a 30 year and they'll go from, like you said, maybe you'll go from four and a quarter to four point zero zero three point seven five, but you've just reset that 30 years. Yep. So one exactly. of the advantages to maybe do a 15 year or a 20 year. Yeah. Um, and there are even ways of taking on a 30 year where you can pay it off in a lower amortization period. But I think total payback should always be top of mind when you are thinking about refinance because there are costs that are associated with every refinance, um, rather they're hidden costs or upfront costs, but they're costs that are there and you need to make sure that your break even, it makes sense for you if you're right. taking a lower rate. Good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, have, you, have you ever seen any common mistakes or maybe even epic fails that you want to talk about that you know, it would be good for somebody listening to be mindful of, certainly to maybe avoid that situation. What are what are some common issues that you see play out in this arena? I'm sure there's a few. Right. I think credit is is important. Um, yeah. Don't wait till you're ready to buy to to assess your credit. Great point. If you're looking to buy, say for instance, we're in December right now, and if you're looking to buy in January, maybe a good time to pull your credit now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but more importantly, you may have wanted to pull it back in September or August because there may be things on there that you're just not aware of, mm -hmm. and now you you know you have it pulled in December, you're ready to buy, but now the lender's telling you, "Oh, we got to deal with this, we got to deal with that." Rather, something that may not necessarily be um, on there that should be on there. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of credit fraud and things that are just reported that people aren't even aware of. Yeah. So I always tell people, you know, credit is important when you're getting ready to buy a house and getting a good picture of what your credit is, not just, you know, using the, you know, the credit services that are there are great, but you know, if you're if you're really gearing up and ready to buy, you do want to have a lender assess your financial situation even if it's 6 months out so that you know you know where you're at mm -hmm. and so it's just a matter of just waiting to pull the trigger when you're ready to go. Um, I think another thing, and specifically for people that are buying homes, really going into it with a strategy, mm. you know, not just getting caught up in the emotions of, man, I want this beautiful home, big home. I mean, seeing it always, not always, you, get, you don't have to always get up at the plate and knock the ball out of the park. Right. You know, own something. Yeah. <laughs> own own the home, get there, and then work your way up to maybe the, the ideal home that you're looking for later down the road. Oftentimes people want the, the house with the lake, the dog, the pond and all that, you know, the five bedrooms, the, the, the crown molding, but it's like there's so much more and so many more advantages, like I said, to that real estate portfolio. Mm -hmm. So look at it from a strategic approach to saying, you know what, I'm going to build a portfolio. Maybe the first home may be a two or three bedroom townhouse that could potentially become a rental property later. Great point. And then strategizing that so that, you know, two years, three years, you're then moving towards that next. But you've also got a rental property that's creating cash flow for you that could help pay the mortgage on that house by the lake and the dog and all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and that you hit the nail on the head and you said strategy. I yes. would I would I would venture you to guess that's not always the way maybe somebody approaches this. It, it, yeah. Despite the fact that it is such a huge consideration, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's a, whether it is for rental or investment purposes or whether it's your own home, I mean, buying real estate is is no small consideration. And so 
having that be a part of a bigger picture strategy mm-hmm. and, and looking through. And it's interesting, you know, um, I've had a lot of conversations with friends and some clients about, you know, the fails that we've heard about where people are driven like what you what you just described, this idyllic home, mm-hmm. and then they don't even think about the lifestyle impact, right? Somebody that had to move two hours outside of the city but still has to now commute into town. So maybe they nailed it on the real estate but didn't think enough about what that's going to do to impact everything else that goes on in their world and now regrets it. So, I mean, not just the strategy, but, you know, really look at how real estate fits in your day-to-day life, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly making sure that it's affordable, but, you know, what is is going to make the most sense? And, you know, if that means, like you described, maybe some delayed gratification. Maybe I mm. don't have to get the biggest, the best, the brightest, and it doesn't have to happen right now. Maybe I can be smarter about it because these other important factors should be, you know, should be considered. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, um, I don't know if you want to call it a mistake, but really information. Knowledge is powerful. Yes. And, and so you owe it to yourself to, to weigh your options. You know, like you said before, it's it's unfortunate there are some banks that all they do is present one option or two options. Mm-hmm. And you may qualify for down payment assistance that you're not even aware of, but you, you need to know going in. And if you're getting presented with one option, you know, consult with a sec, get a second opinion. Talk to someone else because, you know, the, the last thing you want is you, you, you buy a house and you realize, man, there was the same program out there that I could have qualified with the same interest rate. But they would have given me another three percent or whatever, you yep. know. Those those are the things that you you want to know going into mm-hmm. the transaction, and then budgeting. I think I think you you do this as a life. I mean, I think having a budget, having a plan, because you know, one we both know that owning a home, <coughs> they're hidden costs. That's you right. Know, something happens yep. when you own, and you got an HVAC issue, or or I mean, it could be anything. So really, you know, going in sober, eyes wide open to to know that okay, this is this is a great asset. This is this is I'm I'm been empowered, but at the same time, you know, there may be things that I need to plan ahead for, um, in the event something happens. No, so and I, I appreciate you kind of bringing all that home because I think that that's, you know, the 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 approach of being fully equipped. And kind of feeling like you've assessed things comprehensively, um, and you know it's it's challenging. You know, home ownership is a very emotional experience. You know, if you're a couple, if you've got family, and there's you, you're looking at a lot of people in the eyes, and you're seeing it for what it can and should be. But sometimes it's hard to take a step back and then have a you know a very calculated uh, assessment of you know what's going to make the most sense. So I, I, I appreciate you laying all of these things out. Uh, so succinctly and also making sure that people mm-hmm. are aware, you mm-hmm. know, because like you said, awareness is is key. Um, and, you know, we can all get marketed to in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, but we got to be aware of, of, you know, what that really means for our own personal situation. So um, any final closing thoughts or shout outs that you want to make? Mm-hmm. I, I just want to give you a shout out. Oh, I, I appreciate mean, kudos that. Kudos to you. I salute you. Um, as long as I've known you, and I've known you for quite some time, yep. um, you've always been uh, an advocate for financial literacy, and so I, I just I appreciate your 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 strategy, your heart, um, being a pioneer because there's so much information that 
that that needs to be circulated and, and, and put out there about not just home ownership is one component mm-hmm. of financial literacy. And so when you're talking about budgeting, when you're talking about assets and we're talking about 401ks, all of those different nuggets contribute to one's ability to create wealth and, yep. and sustaining preserve wealth. And so I just I just again just take my hat off to you and I, I thank you for continuing to create a platform where you're you're opening it up to, for people like myself to come in and share and talk about this because there's there's so many people out there that don't know um, yeah. how to do a budget. You know, what's the 401k? How much should I be contributing to a 401k? How should I invest? What's I mean the market, I mean the stock market in itself is a whole different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but but and I, I'm mad at myself because I wish I would have done some things back in the day that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But I just I just I thank you for really creating a platform where you're you're opening the mic to allow professionals like myself and other professionals to come and present information that hopefully will help that next person that doesn't know what it means to create a plan or a strategy that, you know, 10 years down the road they'll have that and so you know brother i i appreciate you appreciate it man and thank just you. continue to do what you're doing but um kudos to you really, thank I you salute you for that so how how would somebody get a hold of you if they needed to contact you what are the sure, best ways sure best way to reach me is uh via email um, my email address is chris or chris dot boston b-o-s-t-o-n at uh, the Fitzgerald F I T Z G E R A L D Financial dot net, or you can reach me on my landline at two four zero four zero three one nine six five two four zero four zero three one nine six five. Awesome, thank you, appreciate thank it. Thank you, absolutely. Thanks for listening to this month's episode of the That's My Financial Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed yourself. If you'd like to get a hold of us. You can find us online at thehaneycompany.com or on Twitter at The Haney Company. The information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Haney is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated and an investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors Incorporated, and securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated, member FINRA CIPIC.